0: Hello and welcome to episode four of the Elevate Music podcast. I'm Lucy Heyman and in this episode I'm going to be chatting to drummer Nigel Elliott about hearing. So Nigel's had a fascinating career, he's worked with some of the biggest names in the industry but this has taken a real toll on his hearing so we're going to find out more about that and hear his advice for what musicians should do to protect their hearing. I'm then going to chat to hearing expert, audiologist Gladys Akinshaer, who will tell us about hearing health more generally and how you can access professional moulded earplugs for a fraction of the price. So keep listening for that one. But to start, let's hear Nigel's story.
1: I sort of went into the London rhythm and blues scene in the sort of early 70s. And then got a call to do a gig with a band called The Bliss Band. And I was signed up to Columbia Records and Tapes. And that was about 1978. And then I ended up working with Toya for a couple of years. And then I ended up going to America. Came back to England in 2004. And I've been playing with various bands since. So
0: could you tell me a bit about the attitudes towards hearing throughout those band experiences?
1: There was very little sort of thought about you know, hearing protection back then. And in fact, obviously, some of it was incredibly loud because the PAs back then and the monitoring systems were the bigger the better. And when you're young and invincible, and you're going for it. So yeah, it was quite loud volumes at times. And there was no consideration towards hearing protection.
0: So when did you start to notice that changed a bit?
1: The ringing in the ears started to, to last a little bit longer after some of these gigs. And I started to sort of get slightly concerned as to what was actually happening to my hearing and and the frequencies that potentially uh, my right ear was definitely affected more than my left ear because I think I was in my playing style. I tend to face towards the left. I would say probably the the bell of the ride cymbal was a big culprit.
0: How long into your career do you think think you started to notice that it was having an impact?
1: Um, Probably sort of late 30s.
0: And so what did you do at that point when you realised there was a bit of a problem?
1: Um, I didn't do that much about it, to be honest. I mean, I had a hearing test at one time when I was in the the States, but it it was still okay. It seemed to me, you know, what they were saying. And um, so I didn't really pursue it. Sometimes I would put a, a bit of cotton wool in my right ear for a little bit of protection. But other than that, that was about it. So were you using earplugs at this time? No, I mean, it was only until I came back to England in 2004 that someone suggested I go and and have some fitted. So I did that and um, got some specially made ones.
0: Can you tell me about how it was using those?
1: (laughs) It was weird. The first set into it with, with the new hearing protection, it was really odd. It just felt wrong. Um, So I took them out after the first couple of numbers because it was just this sort of weird chatter between my ears and my brain and everything. I was trying to figure out what the heck was going on with the hearing. So I didn't pursue it. And then I didn't use them for quite a while after that. What it was cutting out for me at the time was the bass. It wasn't too bad with the higher frequencies, but I really missed the bass and it wasn't letting enough of that through. And so because I couldn't lock into that, I didn't use them for a while.
0: So just for anyone listening who may not have been exposed to the sound levels of being a drummer, can you tell us a bit about them? How does it differ? If you're a vocalist and you're standing at the front, what's it like? I mean, what sound levels are we talking about?
1: It depends where you're playing a lot, the acoustics of the room and what kind of a setup you have. In the day, there wasn't any in-ear monitoring. So we were all using quite large wedges. I remember on Toya, I had two massive column speakers right either side of me and it it kind of squashed your head sometimes but as the tour went on it got louder and louder and so yeah it can get excruciatingly loud but it was just the style of things in the day but now obviously I think there's less stage volume and within monitoring I think generally um, you've got a lot more control over it but um, drums can get really loud and also what's going on with the other instruments too is is important. If it's coming back to you through the monitors, making sure that that's in control. And it's difficult because a lot of times when you're playing live and you don't sometimes get a sound check, it takes a while for that to all settle down and there's some you know it's feedback sometimes can really nail you.
0: So you were telling us about how you were getting that ringing in the ears mm-hmm. after gigs. Mm. What happened after that with regards to your hearing?
1: I took it upon myself to go to the audio department and have a hearing test because I was really sort of suffering with the right ear and also the ringing in the right ear. Um, And I had to go and have some special tests done on that because most people get tinnitus in both ears. And because it was just in the right side, they were worried there was some kind of tumor. So they test for that just to make sure that, that that isn't the problem, which it wasn't fortunately. So then I had the hearing test and I was quite shocked. And I always thought my left ear was still quite good, but actually because of degeneration over time, you don't realize how much of it you've lost. And I got fitted with hearing aids and um, I couldn't believe it. I said, is this how normal people hear? And it was like, yes. And it was like, my God, I've lost so much, you know, of the high end and the mid range from mostly the right, but the left as well.
0: And so what was that experience like?
1: Well, I mean, for the hearing, it was just a revelation. I mean, you know, your clothes make sounds. (laughs) You don't know. Uh, Little rustling things and like that. You know, the indicator in the car, like, gosh, that's loud. It's mind-blowing. So it was a positive thing. It was a positive thing, yeah. And then I went and did a couple of gigs with these in. Um, You've got a volume control on them. You can obviously adjust the volume. If you have them at normal sort of hearing level for, for speech and things like that, it's too much and you sit behind the drums and it's like very sibilant. So you can turn that down. And so I tried a couple of gigs with it that way and then I f- heard that you can get a music setting as well specifically for musical frequencies. So that worked a lot better. It would sort of top off some of the higher frequencies so you could actually get a nice balance between what you were just feeling and what you were hearing.
0: And so do you wear earplugs
1: now? I wear the hearing aids, actually, which kind of works both ways because you can really turn that level down to where you just get a nice sort of high end. You know, you get your frequencies from the snare drum nicely, but not overpowering. And because you've got the earbuds, it does help to sort of curtail some of the nasty frequencies that you can get otherwise.
0: So do you think attitudes are changing to hearing protection now?
1: I think so, definitely, yeah. I think generally with the media and everything like that, musicians are becoming more aware of it. I think when you're young, though, you tend to... Because you're invincible and you don't think it's a problem at the time, then you're more likely to say, I'm not going to do anything about it, but I would recommend that you do now because you need to have good ears for hearing and playing. And if you don't take care of them, you're going to get in trouble.
0: So do you think your experience is common?
1: Yeah, I mean, Pete Townsend. there was one television show he did in America where Keith Moon let off an explosion on stage. Wow. It was in the bass drum, I believe, in it. And you can see Pete Townsend sort of standing there with his ears ringing. I think there was some initial damage done there. And um, then over the time, I mean, he, he played at very high volume and uh, it's taken its toll. He actually, for a while, had to go to acoustic guitar in order to be able to get through a performance and could only go into the studio to mix stuff for 20 minutes before his ears packed up on him. So, yeah, he's had some serious problems and I think if you check out that it will give you a good indication on how to you know be careful Mm -hmm. with your hearing and do something about protecting it.
0: So can you tell us what is tinnitus like?
1: Tinnitus is something that's that's always kind of there and funnily enough when I went to the audiology department um, the audiologist said to me when you wear your hearing aids you won't hear the tinnitus and I went really and it works it goes away. And so that was a nice surprise, a bonus. But generally speaking, if the hearing aids aren't in and I'm sitting in a quiet room, it's like there, you know, it's kind of a white noise sound. And I think for a lot of people, it, it varies. And if I think about it in a certain way, I can kind of phase it out. I can filter it out. But sometimes if I'm playing and I come back from a gig then sometimes it will be aggravated by that even with the hearing aids in so it's just something that's continuously going on.
0: You've spoken a bit about the issues that can arise from playing live with regards to your hearing could you tell me a little bit about what it's like in a studio?
1: Generally speaking there are a few different methods for recording. Obviously, um, sometimes it's a live situation, and other times there'll there'll be a click track, and the drummer will be wearing headphones. And sometimes in close quarters with headphones on, inevitably there might be a bit of feedback going on while microphones are being, levels are being set and things like that. So again, a little bit of hearing protection will help against any sort of inadvertent feedback um, while levels are being set. Generally speaking, with headphones, you can get a controlled level once things are all sorted out. And in some cases, if you're playing in a live situation, again, it depends on the acoustics of the room and the sound that you're going for. Some drummers will um, be asked to play in a live room to get a certain live sound, which again will cause a fair amount of reverberation and a louder sound. So again, ear protection is useful against any of the live rooms that you get obviously other rooms are more dead sounding um you go back to the pink floyd thing where everything was really really and ringo with towels on his drums and so there's lots of different methods for that again it it's always good to to find different ways of using ear protection when you're listening and there's various methods again with cans with the heaven to have one off and one on and different ways of that but i think my experience with recording is just a little bit of cotton wool for, for just taking the edge off.
0: Can you tell me what it's like if you have hearing problems and you're going into an educational environment and you've got maybe young students who don't necessarily have control of the drumsticks and, and I mean... Is that a situation where you have to think about protecting your hearing as well?
1: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, with the Shropshire Music Service, they recommended that you use hearing protection because, you know, sometimes we would teach groups. you got um, five people on a, on a snare drum, and most of the people that I knew that taught would, would have hearing protection. Really? Because, you, you know, you're doing that eight hours a day, I tell you. If you don't, it wears you out.
0: So you mentioned about young musicians feeling like they're invincible. How do you think we could engage younger musicians with using hearing protection?
1: I don't think that the kind of application and stuff that's used today is as dangerous potentially as it used to be. And I think on stage stuff is is a lot more controlled than in the past. And I think basically what you've got to do is just Be aware that there are certain ways that you can use hearing protection and get used to it. Be patient with it because it does take a while for the ears and the brain to communicate with each other and it will feel strange at first because you'll be hearing things completely differently but it will adjust.
0: What advice would you give to someone starting out now with regards to their hearing?
1: Even in practicing any kind of playing use some kind of ear protection because I think actually as as a younger person, you know, your hearing is is so much better. You're hearing lots more frequencies. Just be aware that if you don't take care of that and you use some kind of protection, that will dissipate. Your hearing will go anyway, generally, as you get older, Mm -hmm. but that will accelerate the hearing loss if you don't look after your ears and use some protection.
0: So would you say you're healthy?
1: Yeah. Can you tell me what you do to stay healthy? I do a bit of yoga do some running every day and i'm still playing do you think that keeps you healthy oh, absolutely yeah 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 <laughs> without a doubt no i mean that's what it's all about
0: and finally could you tell me one thing that you love about your music career
1: i love to watch people dance you know i started off playing to charlie watts i had a blue sparkle gigster drum kit with vellum heads in the bedroom with a dance set record player playing along to charlie watts and so it's always been sort of like groove orientated dance music and if i'm doing a gig and everyone's having a good dance, and I feel like I've done a good job and that's very rewarding. So I hope to keep doing that as long as I can.
0: The effect of hearing loss for a musician can be a profound and sensitive issue. Help Musicians is here to help you prevent it or to cope if it should happen. Help Musicians works in partnership with Musicians Hearing Services and the Musicians Union to provide access to specialist hearing assessments and bespoke hearing protection. For more information and to apply for the scheme, visit hereformusicians.org.uk or check the podcast summary for further details. You can also find more information on Help Musicians at helpmusicians.org.uk so we've had some great feedback for the podcast thanks very much to mike who emailed in from a music college in the u.s who's been recommending it to all his students and remember you can contact us and let us know if you've enjoyed the podcast at elevate at at gmail.com or you can get in touch with us on social media at elevate musicpod. so for the second part of this episode i paid a visit to the musicians hearing services to speak to audiologist gladys Ackenshire. Can you tell me a bit about some of the common problems that you see in your work?
2: So we see a lot of musicians, we see about 6,000 musicians a year at Harley Street Hearing and we sometimes see people that come through with hearing loss but as well as that we'll see musicians that have tinnitus which is the perception of a sound in the ear or the head that's not coming from an external source. We also see musicians that have a condition called hyperacusis, which is the reduced sensitivity to everyday sound. So, for example, sometimes I see musicians that are sensitive to their own voices, which can be devastating for them. As well as that, we have musicians that come through that have a condition called diplocusis as well, which is the perception of a single pitch, which comes through differently as different pitches in each ear. And as you can imagine, that can be quite devastating for them as well. So why do you think these issues happen? So the most common reason for these issues is exposure to loud noise, um, excessively loud noise. And the hair cells in the inner ear get damaged and sometimes it can be temporary and they can recover. Sometimes it can be permanent. And unfortunately, with noise-induced conditions, it is 100% permanent but also 100% preventable. So when you say exposure to loud
0: noise, Mm. is that one bout of suddenly really loud sound or
2: is that something that is over a period of time? So it really depends. I mean, sometimes it can be one sudden loud sound that does damage your hearing. Sometimes it can be over a period of time and we do have safe listening levels, but it's usually your daily exposure rate that can result in that um, noise-induced hearing loss. So for a musician, the amount of daily noise they're exposed to isn't
0: just in the rehearsal room and when they're performing them?
2: That's correct. So the daily safe levels include the time you've taken to travel to that rehearsal room and also the time you've taken to travel home. Safe levels of noise are limited to 85 decibels. So that is what we would consider you can be in that environment safely for a period of time at 85 decibels over the day you can only be in that environment for eight hours before we start considering it to damage your hearing every three decibels you go up you have to halve your exposure time so at 88 decibels you can only be in that environment for four hours now if you think of as an example, a blender is about 88 decibels. So after about four hours of listening to a blender, which I'm sure nobody does, but, <laughs> (laughs) it can quite easily happen over the period of the day, we do say that your hearing can be damaged at that level. So for somebody travelling on
0: the tube, just to get an idea, what would the decibel level be
2: on the Victoria line? (laughs) So it does vary. I mean, some of these lines do exceed 100 decibels. And there has been research, and it has been made mainstream as well, so people are now aware of this, or should be aware of this. But definitely travelling on the tube, within minutes you could be damaging your hearing. So everybody should really be using ear protection. Fascinating. So how do you support musicians with these issues that they come to you with? At Holly Street Hearing we have um, various services. We provide thorough hearing assessments and also have the provision to provide earplugs as well here. We partner up with Help Musicians UK and the Musicians Union to provide the Musicians Hearing Health Scheme as well which provide discounted earplugs and hearing assessments as well for eligible musicians. So can you tell me a little bit more about that offering? Absolutely, so currently you would have to be a professional musician to be eligible for it. And there is criteria that has to be met, but it's quite a simple application to fill in. And once you have been accepted, you would be invited to one of our clinics. You would have a ear examination. You would also have a hearing test done as well. And as well as that, you would be given custom made ear protection as well under that scheme the cost of the scheme is £40. If you are an MU member, it's £30. But like I say, there is a criteria that has to be met for you to be eligible for the scheme overall. So how do musicians prevent issues from happening in the first place? So just having the knowledge of which sounds can be damaging, I recommend that the musicians that I see actually get sound level meters as well. I mean, there's apps that you can download that are quite accurate as well. Just being aware that, sounds over 85 decibels you need to be considering using ear protection Having regular hearing tests annually is important so that we can monitor the levels of hearing. Also, as well as that, having appropriate earplugs, so custom moulded preferably. And also, if you are being exposed to noise, to give yourself sufficient breaks. So I usually recommend every 15 minutes of every hour, just step out of the studio or the club environment that you're in, just give the ears a break. I mean, Action on Hearing Loss actually recommend that if you've been exposed to levels of 100 decibels you know for two hours you need to give yourself a 16 hour break from sound after that so wow. it's important to just give your ears breaks in the time to recover my goodness and that's quite difficult for a musician who is then maybe backstage at a
0: festival where the sound is still there and then if you then traveling through the night on a bus I mean can you tell me about traveling and how that affects your ears I mean so if a musician was on a tour bus overnight, would that affect them?
2: So, I mean, if the levels within the tour bus are exceeding 85 decibels, you know, they've got music going on around them, they're practicing, then yes, it potentially, but that's where earplugs can be useful. One of the things that Nigel mentioned was that people struggle to get on well with earplugs initially. And I think it is something that we need to make people aware that it's a common to find it difficult to get on well with them. I mean, nobody likes wearing ear protection. They prefer that it's their natural hearing. However, it's so vital in terms of protecting your ears. And what I usually recommend is that if you put the earplugs in maybe half an hour before you even step into the festival, or, you know, before you step onto the tour bus or onto the tube, your brain has that time to acclimatise to the sound. So it's not that sudden shock of attenuation. A lot of people, you know, if they're not used to it, the first inclination is to take the earplugs out. Or if they don't have the earplugs, they'd stick cotton wool in their ears or tissue for that matter. It's not an effective way of protecting your hearing. We can't measure how much of the sound is being attenuated, so we can't guarantee that your hearing is being protected. So just to clarify, what's when you say about attenuating, what do you mean by that? So reducing the ambient sound and noise around you. Okay, so that's the difference between what you could hear before and what you're hearing now. Exactly. With the earplugs in. Exactly. Thank you. So
0: you've spoken about earplugs. What else can a musician do to reduce their
2: sort of the sound that they're exposed to. Absolutely. So there are high fidelity earplugs. So there's earplugs that you can get that are universally made that you may find on high streets shelves. And they tend to be a little bit cheaper and people would put them in and you know they don't always fit the ears correctly, but they do attenuate the sound and you know some do have filters, some don't have filters. So for example, the foam earplugs that some people may get So that can be done to reduce the sound. However, there are custom made earplugs as well, and they tend to be the best type in terms of protecting your hearing, but also giving you that high fidelity in terms of the better sound quality. So it allows you to enjoy the music around you, but also protect your hearing at the same time. And when you said about filters there, can you explain a bit more about filters? Yeah, so the filters are what are used to allow some of the sound to come through. Now, there's different levels of attenuating filters. So we may have... A drummer for example like Nigel and we may have a violinist in a quartet and they would have different levels of filter or they require different levels of filter so for example you can imagine a drummer would probably need more of the sound attenuated than a violinist so we can alter that and there's various filters that can be used and by getting a qualified audiologist or practitioner to prescribe the right filter for the type of instrument you play or the type of environment you're in can help you hear while well, still protect your hearing. And what else needs to be in place to support a musician with their hearing health? There needs to be regulations in place. So, for example, musicians that are employed are quite fortunate that their employers are required to ensure that there are things in place to protect their hearing. So the regulations may include having to provide the employee with earplugs, Mm -hmm. and maybe regular assessments, making sure that the environment isn't exceeding safe levels. So there are things in place currently.
0: So in Nigel's interview, we heard about some of the attitudes towards hearing protection many years ago. Have they changed,
2: do you think? I do think it has changed. There was previously a stigma regarding hearing protection and some people have reported that you know some colleagues may find that they're a bit feeble for wearing ear protection or equally some have found that they've had concerns that it would affect their musical ability. I think now that we have high fidelity custom-made ear protection that stigma is going away and now that people are becoming more aware of noise-induced hearing loss and the conditions that can arise as a result of it that stigma is reducing so I do think attitudes have changed and so Nigel was talking about those huge stack speakers that
0: would you know slowly go up in volume as the tour would go on. Do you think attitudes have changed
2: now within the industry with regards to hearing? It's interesting that. I mean there are some people that I mean some musicians that I've seen for example certain DJs that are conscious of what they're presenting because there's that balance between wanting people to enjoy the music but also you know I need to protect the clubgoers ears for example example and they do sometimes have that constant battle there. Equally, what I've also found is that as more and more people come in, you know, like Nigel mentioned, things start to get louder in those environments. And it can get to level, you know, damaging levels. It's about taking the responsibility, you know, by putting the earplugs in and um, from the get-go, really, or like I said before, maybe even half an hour before so that you are ensuring that you're protecting your hearing in those environments.
0: So Nigel mentioned that he started to notice significant hearing issues in his mid-30s
2: what's the average age that a musician comes to you so i don't necessarily think it's age dependent it's more to do with their exposure to sound we can see musicians from their early 20s that have tinnitus and hyperacusis so quite early on but then we also see musicians later in life that have got hearing loss and may come for devices such as hearing aids but it's important to note that tinnitus and hyperacusis typically develops before the hearing loss occurs so it can vary it's really not a matter of age it's more to do with the exposure to sound. So to clarify if a musician
0: doesn't currently have issues you're saying it's still worth coming and having your hearing checked out to see if there are any issues before hearing loss has started?
2: Absolutely it's vital that we get a baseline test so at least then we can just monitor it. If you are being exposed to music and sounds regularly, it's so crucial to, to get a hearing test.
0: And musicians listen to music a lot as well as playing it, obviously. Can you tell me a little bit about how safe listening to music on headphones is and the difference
2: between over-ear headphones, in-ear headphones? Using headphones isn't unsafe if it's done sensibly. So we have a rule, it's called the 60-60 rule. You want to listen to music via your headphones at about 60% of the maximum volume for no more than 60 minutes a day okay so in terms of devices like phones and um, mp3 players that sort of thing that are bought within the eu they do have limits on them to make sure they're not exceeding the 85 decibels safe limit however that can be overridden by the user and is there a difference between these in-ear earphones that you can get yeah so i mean with decibels it's important to know that it decreases with distance so with in-ear earphones they sit closer to the eardrum so the sounds can be louder. The -the over-the-ear headphones are safer because there's more of a distance but it's not to say that in-ear headphones are unsafe as long as you're listening to it at a safe level. The most important thing I would say is getting noise cancelling headphones, whether that's in ear or over the ear. And the reason why is because the reason most people have the volume quite loud is because of the background noise. So for example, on the tubes, for example, you may hear, you know, the person sitting next to you, the level of their, you know, music. And that's simply because of the background noises making it harder to hear them music, so they're turning it up. By getting noise cancelling headphones, it reduces the background noise so you can have it at, the, at an appropriate volume.
0: And so what are some of the signs that a musician might notice to sort of
2: signify something's going wrong with their hearing? So you may get ringing in the ears. So for example, if you've gone out on a night out or you've had a gig or something like that and you get ringing in the ears, that means you've done some damage to your hearing. Now, it may go away. That's just the hair cells recovering, but it may not go away. So If you're getting ringing in the ears or you're getting muffled hearing, you know, following exposure, that's usually a sign that you've done some damage
0: there. So if a musician's listening and they're starting to notice changes in their hearing, what do you recommend?
2: I recommend that they have a thorough hearing assessment. One thing that I tend to hear a lot from musicians is they've had a hearing assessment that's quite basic and they've been told that they have normal hearing thresholds. If a musician feels that they are having problems with their hearing, it's important to follow that up. And there are more advanced tests that can be done. For example, a test called the Otoacusic Emission Testing. And that's a diagnostic test that actually assesses the robustness of the hair cells in the ear. And it sort of shows us whether a musician has something called hidden hearing loss that might not show up on a basic hearing test so it usually shows us hearing loss before it appears on a conventional hearing test really and sometimes we can link that to being caused by noise and so finally what advice would you give to a young musician
0: starting out with regards to how to protect
2: their hearing health look after your hearing we only get one pair of ears so treat them like they are precious Noise-induced hearing loss is 100% preventable, but it's also 100% permanent. And these conditions that do arise from it can be debilitating. However, saying that, there are things that we can do to help, but like I say, it's 100% preventable. So if we can do something about it, you know, to try and prevent it from occurring in the first place, why not? And so really simple things that a musician can do today to protect their hearing. So, using earplugs, for example, if you're going onto the tube, and then once you come off the tube, take them out. If you feel like you're going to rehearsal, you know, pop them in again, maybe half an hour before, so your brain can acclimatise to it, so you're not feeling that sudden reduction of sound, which may make you want to take them out. Brilliant. Gladys, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you.
0: If you need help with any of the issues that have been raised in today's episode, you'll find the links and signposts to all the appropriate services in the podcast description below. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate it, comment and subscribe in iTunes as it helps other musicians find us. And of course, you can get in touch on social media at Elevate Music Pod on Twitter and Instagram. This podcast was produced by Elevate Music and Wise Buddha in partnership with Help Musicians. Thanks for listening and see you next time.